we're going to continue our perspective series tonight, talking about God's perspective on suffering. God's perspective on suffering. It's a heavy topic, but, but also hopefully a helpful one for us to think about. Man, what does God think about these things? What does God think about uh, yeah, human suffering and pain and all, all these kind of things? That's what we're going to be uh, looking at tonight. Uh, if, if you're taking notes there, if uh, you want to jot a note down on your phone or scribble it on the back of like your homework paper, I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Um, and uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, then then can can follow along there. There's also going to be words on the screen here. Uh, we're going to jump jump into it. And, and uh, yeah, Kimber prayed. And man, what a what a great prayer. Whenever you're praying for your pastor before a message, man, two great things to pray. Pray for your pastor that they'd be able to communicate the word of God well. Holy Spirit would communicate through them. They'd be able to speak and communicate well. But then also pray for your own heart uh, that your own heart would be good soil. Uh, to receive God's word, that that, that that seed would implant in you and grow, and uh, God would use it to shape you into the person he wants you to be. Amen? Amen. So God, we do pray that. God, help me to communicate well, speak only what you want spoken. God, prepare our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So next week uh, at Chi Alpha, next Wednesday night, we are going to be rolling out our summer and spring missions projects for 2023. Right, so, so every spring and summer, Kalfa takes a, uh, a variety of different uh, missions trips. We call them project trips uh, all, all over the world. Uh, and we're going to be unveiling what our 2023 trips are going to be next week. So you've got to be, be here next week to hear that. Uh, most recently, uh, man, we took a team in May to New Orleans. Man, several of you guys went on that trip. We're uh, working with a tr- church there in New Orleans. Man, on spring break trip before that to Atlanta. Um, and again, we, uh, again, next week, going to unveil what our 2023 trips are going to be, project tricks. But you're going to want to go, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, for several years, though, uh, for six years, we, we took teams of students down to the Dominican Republic. Uh, again, a c- couple of y'all have been with me down to uh, Dominican Republic, and we would work with churches and Christians uh, there and serving their communities in Santo Domingo, that's the capital, and some of the surrounding cities there in the Dominican Republic. In Dominican Republic, they speak Spanish. That's right. You're exactly right. They speak Spanish, and even though I took Spanish in high school and again in college, when you're in a country that that's all they speak, you realize, man, I'm not prepared for this, right? Like, I studied enough to pass to pass the quiz, pass the test, but, but I need help, right? I need a translator. I need someone to help me help me communicate. Yeah, we spent, spent six years going down each summer uh, to the Dominican Republic, working with uh, churches, uh, helping reach out to their communities, doing kids' ministry, kids' camps, youth camps, that kind of thing, um, and uh, eventually started planning uh, university ministries like Chi Alpha at several college campuses uh, in St. Domingo and then several of the surrounding uh, cities. Man, God, God really worked through uh, you guys, uh, Chi students to, to plant uh, university ministries at several different campuses, uh, and it was really exciting to be a part of that. And so, uh, again, as we would travel, it was very important that we had a translator accompanying us, because none of our Spanish was good enough to fully communicate some of these important ideas that we needed to communicate. Important things like, where am I sleeping tonight, right? Um, what, are we, what are we eating, or what do I need to do to make sure my team eats today? Uh, where is the bathroom? Is there a bathroom? I don't want to assume. Um, important things you need to communicate that may, if I don't speak the language, I need help, right? I need, I need a translator, a mediator to help me communicate some of these important concepts. Not even to mention, like, theological concepts. Like, I want to share the gospel. I want to talk about what God's done for us through Jesus. Uh, I don't want to screw that up by getting, getting a word wrong, right? Or getting multiple words wrong, more likely. Uh, so we would have with us, uh, whenever we went, whenever we ministered, we had a translator, right? Someone that spoke English. 
and Spanish, so, right? They, they can make sure that I am understood and then also help me to understand uh, what is being said. Um, extremely important. So in that context, again, I would often need a translator or mediator to help me communicate. Uh, being misunderstood, how many of you guys have ever been misunderstood, right? Everyone that's a human being, yes, has been misunderstood. Being misunderstood can be really frustrating, right? Really frustrating to feel like this person just does not understand me. They don't get me. Like, we're even speaking the same language, but I'm just not connecting, uh, and they don't understand me. That can be frustrating. It can be emotionally, like, just make us so angry. Uh, Emotionally upsetting, emotionally painful for us. Have you guys ever experienced this? Of course you have. But ever experienced this uh, where a painful misunderstanding really hurt a relationship, really damaged a friendship, or maybe even ended a friendship or relationship over a misunderstanding. I mean, you don't understand me. I, I don't understand you. We can't get past this. And it really wounded you personally, emotionally. It damaged uh, the relationship. When there's that breakdown in communication in a relationship, it can result in all sorts of pain for us, right? It's painful. It hurts. And sometimes we're hurting so bad that we need a mediator who can step in and help us communicate, right? Like, I'm so frustrated, I can't communicate with you. You're frustrated, you can't communicate with me. We need that third party, right? That translator, that mediator to come in and help us to communicate through the pain so we can understand each other. We need that go-between to help us reach that place of wholeness and restoration again. Have you ever had a friend step in that way, right? That that you and another friend just can't get past something, and then a third friend comes in and says, hey, let me help mediate this, help me talk it through, and then the friendships say, man, we, we praise God for those friends, right? Uh, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? God is all about that person that's all about reconciliation and healing and restoration. We love those kind of friends. We want to be those kind of friends, right? That, that if we see there's a disagreement, man, how can we get to peace? How can we get to restoration? We all need that. Um, a mediator can be extremely helpful. We all need one sometimes, and we even long for one. We're in that place of real hurting and real brokenness. Again, we're talking about suffering tonight. When we're really suffering, really hurting, there's something deep in our soul that longs for a mediator. Help me to communicate um, and help, help me to reach a place of wholeness and understanding. Um, and, and again, we're, we're in that place. We long for someone that can come in uh, and help, especially, again, in a broken relationship that can help help us communicate so we can get, get to a, a state of wholeness in this relationship. Won't someone come and help me to get through to her? Right? Can anyone come and explain this in a way that's going to get it through his thick skull? Right? I'm not getting there. I need help. I need help. Help me, somebody, anybody. What about when we're hurting and that broken relationship we have is between us and God? Right? That we're so hurt, so wounded by life, so frustrated that it's our relationship with God that's hurt. Right? Who's our mediator then? Right? That, that maybe we've been beat up by life, we're going through a situation, and we're just so overwhelmed by it, uh, so defeated by it, uh, that it's affecting our closeness with God. And, and we're questioning God, and it's natural to do so. Where are you, Lord? Why did you let this happen? Why am I even going through this? Don't you care? And we're in that place of pain and brokenness. We long for a mediator. We long for a mediator. There can be a mediator between us and the Lord. And in the scripture we're looking at tonight, we're going to see what God's word says about that and what to do when we feel this way, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, when we're in pain, when life uh, is being rough with us and, and we're at that place where we're hurting so bad, it feels like we're not even connecting with God the way we want to. What does God's word have to say about that? What do we do when we feel this way? Last week, we started a brand new series here in Chi Alpha called Perspective. Perspective. And it's all about 
the Lord's perspective on the complex issues of our lives. Uh, we need his perspective, right? We're much too close to our own lives uh, to see them accurately, to have the right perspective on them. We talked a little bit last week about the James Webb Space Telescope, right? That's almost a million miles from the Earth orbiting the sun. And again, all the cool pictures of space you've seen on your phone in the last six months, that's from the James Webb uh, up there. Because it is so powerful and because it has such a higher perspective, it can see things about our universe that you can never see just standing outside and looking at the sky, right? It's got a higher perspective. It's got a more powerful, powerful perspective. And in the same way, God has a higher and more powerful perspective on our own lives, right? So we want to see what he has to say about us and the different situations uh, we find ourselves in. Last week, we talked about what is God's perspective on our identity, right? The culture has a lot of things to say about who you are. But what I care about is what does God say who you are? You guys remember the big one? Who, Who does God say that you are? His child, that's right. You're his son, you're his daughter. That is your identity and will be forever, right? So it doesn't matter what label the culture wants to put on you. It's not going to stick, right? You are God's child, and that is our primary source of identity. That's what he wants us to live in. Isaiah 55.9 is our anchor verse for this whole series. Isaiah 55.9 says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, my ways are higher than yours. And that's a good thing. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So when I have a complex situation, I don't want my opinion on it. I want to know what God says about it. Is that right? Right? If, if I've got something I'm trying to figure out, God, I, I, don't, I know what seems best in my own eyes, or I know how I would go about it, but honestly, I can be an idiot sometimes. God, how would you have me go about it? Your ways are higher. Show me what you want me to do. We all need that. God's thoughts and ways are higher Because he has that true and right perspective on our lives. He made us. He made this universe that we're navigating. Uh, So we want to look at his word on those things. And as we get his word into our lives, it's going to shape our understanding. It's going to help us to know God better. And it's going to help us know how he wants us to live in this world. So the scriptures we're looking at tonight are going to help us better understand the Lord's perspective on this issue of human suffering. Right? Adversity and struggles and pain and every single person that's a human being that's all of us has had to deal with this right times that we're struggling times that life is difficult um, and times that we've felt betrayed lied about disappointed discouraged maybe it's physical pain physical illness stuff we're going through maybe it's emotional health stuff mental health stuff maybe it's family dynamic stuff maybe it's financial dynamics uh, where life is painful and it hurts the world is a painful place to live in sometimes isn't it is that just me? Yeah, yeah. Life is a, <laughs> the world, the earth is a painful place to go through. Uh, there's adversity and hardships and difficulties that wound us. And they can cause tremendous emotional and physical suffering. And in that, it's common. Hear me, it's common for us to wonder things like, God, why did you let this happen? God, don't you care that I'm hurting? Right? I feel, oh, I can't ask God that. No, it's common. It's common that we would wonder these kind of things. No idea. I have no idea. We're just, we're going to pray it goes away. The most physically painful thing I've ever experienced, I was trying to think through it, and if it's not the most, it's in like the top two or three. The most physically painful thing I've ever, ever experienced, in my early 20s, I had a herniated disc in my back. Um, so your back, your back bone, you got like the bones, and then in, in between each bone is like a cartilage disc. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm young, healthy guy, early 20s. I'm, it's not, I'm not lifting some huge load. I'm not doing some big muscle man. Nothing cool, right? I'm bending over in the closet to pick up my shoes. 
Uh, and I just bent wrong, right? That's part of getting old. You can just bend wrong. And the, one of the cartilage discs bulged out in my back and I had a herniated disc. That cartilage disc slammed into a nerve cluster in my back. And in, in just a split second, I was in a world of pain, collapsed face first on the floor of my closet. I'm crying. I don't know what's happening. Our roommates are freaked out. They, they call Jackie. She, she comes over. I mean, so they call an ambulance. Because, like, I'm in so much pain, I can't move. I'm like, I'm paralyzed. Or I wasn't. It just hurt really bad. I didn't feel like I could move. They took me to the hospital. They checked me out. Uh, it was incredibly painful. Incredibly painful. Um, and, and the next several weeks, maybe even a couple months, were, were a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Eventually, praise the Lord, God did heal that herniated disc. I didn't need surgery. Yeah, let's give God glory. I, I didn't need surgery. You know, there's people that deal with that all their life. You may even have family members that have some herniated disc issues, back pain issues. Maybe they get injections. Maybe they got to take heavy narcotics. I don't know. I didn't need that. Praise the Lord. God did heal my back. But for those several weeks, couple months where it was hurting, and I've never felt pain like that. Now, I know there's people in here that have experienced even more pain than that. There's a couple people in here that have had children, and I'm not even going to get close to that. Um, and I know yeah, Jackie and Natalie felt physical pain like, like I probably can't even wrap my brain around and don't want to try. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes our most painful things in our life are not physical, though. Right? They're emotional. I mean, they're, they're, there's emotional weight that we would say, I would trade this for physical pain in a heartbeat. Uh, because it's been that emotional weight, the, 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 the mental and emotional pain uh, that can be particularly hurtful for us. Um, and I think, man, God, God has something to say about that. And he wants to meet us in that. Amen? The Old Testament book of Job is a great place for us to start in processing all these things from the Lord's perspective. Let me give you a brief overview of the book of Job. You may have heard of this guy. You may know all about him. You may have never, ever heard of him. So let's give a brief overview of who is Job. Job Job lived a long time ago. He lived in the time of what the biblical time period we call the patriarchs, so around the time of Genesis, right? So he he would have lived kind of around that time of Abraham and those guys like a long, long time ago, like probably over a thousand years before Jesus was born, uh, Job was on the earth. We don't know a whole lot of details about Job's life, except for he was a good dude, a righteous man. He loved the Lord, and he was blessed. At the start of the story, of course, he's very blessed, Uh, but he undergoes some traumatic loss. Uh, I mean, he loses his his livestock uh, and his wealth. Uh, He loses his children. He loses his health. The only thing he doesn't lose is his wife, but, but the only line in the book from his wife is his wife telling him to curse God and die, right? So I don't know if the wife staying around is a, a good thing or a blessing or a bad thing. But he loses everything. He's in a place of, man, total despair. He's got boils all over his body. He's lost his health. He's lost his children. He's lost material possessions. He's lost everything. Um, he's still faithful to God. even in he's, still, he's crying out to God. He's hurting. He's desperate. God, why is this happening to me? Um, but he's faithful to God. So I'm not going to curse God. God, I trust you, but what in the world? Some of, some of Job's friends show up, right? And they, they show up, and they spend some time with them. Job's a long book. So the next several chapters, they're just processing it together. You ever have a tough day, week, month, year, and you sit down, you need a good friend just to sit down and process? Let's just talk till like 2 in the morning. Well, that's what happens the next, like, 20 Five chapters of Job. He's talking with these three or four friends, and they're human beings, right? So some of the stuff they say is good and true and right on, and some of the stuff they say they mean well, but it's not it's not really that helpful. And Job doesn't mind telling them as much because he's really hurting. He says that, that's not helpful at all. That's the kind way of saying it. Um, they go back and forth for a while. Again, some of the stuff they say about God is true, some of it's not. Um, but in the end, 
you know, Job's like, God's really, I want to know what God has to say about this. And guess what? At the end of the book, God shows up and he speaks to Job. And he tells Job this, Job, where were you when I made the whole universe? Right? Where were you when I made the ground and the sky and put the, the stars in the sky and I made the ocean to, to come to right here? Where were you for all that? He says, Job, you don't have the right perspective to criticize me about this. Um, but I am just, right? Um, you know, it, there, it's not an injustice of what's happened to you. This world is a difficult and painful place. It's a wild place. There is human suffering in it. We know from the full scope of Scripture that part of that is because of we have a very real spiritual enemy and evil at work in the world. There's sin that's corrupted the world. And the good news is it won't always be this way, right? Jesus is going to come again. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth without all this pain and evil and turmoil. We know what Job doesn't know about that, but God says you don't have the right perspective. You don't have my perspective on it. Um, and, and so Job, Job begins to see God for who he really is. He says, man, you're absolutely right. Uh, and God blesses Job and restores him at the end of the book. From Job's perspective, at first it seems like God is not just. God, you're not being fair with me. But by the end of the book, the Lord shows him that his perspective is limited. Job does not see the full picture, and he's not wise or powerful enough to manage the whole universe. Neither am I, Right? Um, there was a, a movie that came out when we were in college, Bruce Almighty, uh, where a guy gets to be God basically for a day, and he realizes, I don't want this job, right? None of us are wise or powerful enough to manage the whole universe or to say we'd do a better job. And again, that's, that's kind of the, the point there at the end of Job. Um, he says the, the, the world is a wild and dangerous place, and yeah, sometimes we're going to suffer. But in the end, Job realizes that no matter what comes, good or bad, he can trust God. He can trust God's wisdom. He can trust God's Justice. God is just, even in our suffering. Uh, I found this quote. Um, this is from Scott Ellington. That the book of Job teaches us to press into God, not after our doubt and anger pass, but in the midst of our suffering, with all our doubts and questions still on our lips. God's not afraid of our doubts, our questions. He doesn't want that suffering to put a wedge between us and him. He wants us to lean into him all the more. Right? And he wants to work in that to draw us closer to himself. And so when we're looking at the broader scope of Scripture, we see how the Lord uses even these painful seasons in our life, even our suffering, even our pain, he uses it for our good. And Romans 8 tells us he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. They're called according to his purposes, right? God can work even through our toughest moments for your good, to, to bless you, to prosper you, to make you more like Jesus. Uh, and we know some of the ways he does this. I mean, you can look back at the hard times in your life and you can see some of the good he's brought out of it. Maybe, maybe it made you a more compassionate person, a more patient person. You can empathize with someone else that's going through that and be an encouragement to them. Maybe it developed your character, right? You are a better person now for having gone through that. You didn't like going through it, but you can see how God used it to shape your character, right? And, and there's different ways that God can work through those hard situations uh, for our good and, and to bless us. And even though we don't like it in the moment, we can look back uh, with, through the rearview mirror and say, okay, God, I see how you worked in it. But one of the ways that the Lord wants to use these painful moments for our good is by working through our suffering to reveal something to us, to reveal our need for Him, our need for a Savior. We can get so distracted by the things of life that we become numb to our own spiritual need. There is a lot to distract us out there, right? Like any given second, you have a little rectangle in your pocket uh, that will distract you and, and you'll scroll and you'll scroll and before you know it, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half has gone by. Where is my life? 
right? This little stupid rectangle ate like a quarter of my day. Uh, if you get that screen time report, sometimes it's more than that. There's a lot of things to distract you. I mean, there's social media, there, there's video games, there, there's Netflix series, there's, there's friends. Hey, come do this stupid thing with me. And it's fine to do stupid stuff with friends. I get that. But there's a lot of stuff to distract us from the Lord and our own need for him, right? And we become distracted and numb to our own spiritual need. And one of the things God can do through our seasons of pain and suffering is he reveals to us, man, how much we need him. It shakes us out of that distracted, numb state. It reveals to our souls just how much we need Jesus. And we see this longing again and again and again as we look at the book of Job. So as Job is there, again, through chapter after chapter, he's expressing his frustration to the Lord. He's just telling God, man, I'm miserable. This is awful. God, where are you? But we see something. And as we go through the course of this book, again and again and again, something keeps resurfacing. And that's what we're going to look at tonight uh, as Job kind of realizes his need for a savior, his need for a, like we talked about at the beginning, a mediator. I need someone to mediate between me and God. I can't quite understand, and I don't know why I'm going through this. I need a mediator. And so again, we're going to have a few different verses in Job we're going to look at. And I'm going to try to move through them quickly, but if you want to jot them down, you can study them more fully later. But the first one's going to be in Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9, starting in verse 32. And again, he's talking about God, and man, he's straight up complaining. God's, God's big enough to handle your frustrations and your complaints. Maybe you thought, I can't talk to God like that. Man, he knows what's in your heart anyway. He knows what's in your mind anyway. He's big enough to take your questions, your doubts, your fears. Of course, we want to be respectful to God. Uh, We want to to express praise and love to God. But God can also handle our darkest questions and fears and frustrations as well. And so, man, a lot of these passages, Job is expressing his frustration. So this is Job 9.32. And he's talking about God. He says, God is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. He's like, man, God, if you were a person, I'd take you to court. I'd sue you over this. Like, why are you letting this happen? I'm so mad. I want to debate. Verse 33, if only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me or God's punishment from me so that this terror would frighten me no more. Man, I need a mediator between me and God. Right? I'm frustrated with God. I want to sue God. I want to take him to court. I'm mad at God. I need a mediator between us. The relationship is hurting and even breaking, if not broken. And I need someone that can mediate between us to remove this pain from me. You guys may have heard the name Charles Spurgeon. Right? He's a famous preacher that lived like 150 years ago. Uh, he had a sermon on this passage called The Great Arbitration Case about this imaginary courtroom that, that, uh, that Job is imagining here, where he could take God to court, right, and argue with him. Uh, and he says this, Dear friends, what Job is longing for here, what Job desires to have, the Lord has provided for us in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ. And that, that's one of the many roles Jesus serves for us. Jesus is that mediator. He's that one that stands before us, pleads our case to God, intercedes for us. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus is that mediator. That mediator that, that Job just instinctively longed for, God, I'm hurting, and it feels like there should be someone between us. 
Well, Job didn't know it yet, but God already had that person, and that person was God, right? The, the, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is that mediator. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, he's the mediator between God and mankind. He's the one that reconciles us. God, we're separated from God by our sin, and he dealt with our sin on the cross. Right? When, we, when, we, uh, and when we're not right with God, he's the one that reconciles us to God, restores that relationship, restores what's broken, and then he's the one that also comforts us in our pain and our hurt and our suffering. Jesus is the mediator that Job longed for. He didn't know it. We know it. But Job was longing for this mediator. Jesus was the mediator, but he was also the God that Job longed to be reconciled to. Right? He was both. Earlier in chapter 9, man, Job is, is listing different qualities about God, right? Because he's saying, God, I want to talk to you like I would a man. I've got my friends here, and I'm yelling at them. I wish I could just yell at you, God, but I can't because you're this, this vast figure. And he starts to list attributes of God early in chapter 9. And let's go through a couple of these attributes and say if this doesn't remind you of anybody as you think about, man, what you know from the Gospels. Uh, so the first one is going to be Job 9, 8. This is, again, talking about God. He says, God alone stretches out the heavens and treads the waves of the sea. You guys think about what you know from the Bible or Sunday school. Do you know any, remember anybody that treaded the sea? Jesus did that, right? Jesus did that, right? In Mark, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus walks on the water. He walks out to the boat where the disciples are in the boat. It's stormy. Jesus treads the sea. Uh, and then it says uh, in verse 11, when he passes by me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. When Jesus is walking on the water, do they recognize Jesus right away? What is that? What's that out on the water? I'm pretty sure it's a ghost, right? I'm going to go with ghost. Uh, they, did, they, they saw Jesus, but they didn't perceive him fully right away. Uh, a little bit later on in verse, um, or right before that, in verse 10, it says, God, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot even be counted. Right? The Gospel of John ends in John 21 with John saying, man, if we were trying to record all the miracles Jesus did, well, first of all, we couldn't do it, right? There's not enough books in the whole world to c- contain all the miracles Jesus did. They can't even be counted, right? So through the Gospels, Jesus is revealing to humankind, I'm God, right? All these things that Job said were true of God. Again, Job said these things under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, Job, even though it's a book of a man really struggling with God, is still inspired and in your Bible for a reason, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Job says, all these things are true about God, and I'm needing a mediator, and Jesus is saying, I'm God, right? I do all these things. I tread upon the water, right? I work miracles, but I'm also the one that is going to reconcile this broken relationship and comfort you in your hurting. Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels that he is both mediator and God that Job longed to be reconciled to. A couple more verses. Job chapter 14, verse 14. So he's thinking on, and he's thinking about the afterlife. This life is pain and suffering, but maybe what comes next isn't so bad. You guys ever thought that? Like, this is really terrible, but someday there's heaven at least, right? So Job, Job again, doesn't have the fully formed concept of heaven that we have. We have the benefit of having the whole Bible, and we understand the gospel. Job doesn't have all that, so he's just kind of wondering about those things. Man, read what he says. Job fourteen fourteen. Can the dead live again? Is that even possible? People die, and that's kind of it, right? Can the dead live again? Because if so, this would give me hope for all my years of struggle. And I would eagerly await the release of death. He says, if there's life after death, then maybe this wouldn't be so bad. Because this is painful, but maybe in the next life it won't be so painful. He's longing for something that does exist. There is life after death, right? For those of us that put our trust in Jesus, we have a forever home in heaven with God. He doesn't fully understand that yet, but he's longing for something. 
Verse 15 says, you would call and I would answer. You would yearn for me, your handiwork. He says, does God love us? I know God made us, but does he yearn for us? Does he love us? I want to tell you guys, he does. God loves you. He yearns for you. He wants relationship with you. Verse 16, for then you would guard my steps instead of watching for my sins. My sins would be sealed in a pouch. That's a fun little analogy. And you would cover up my guilt. Says if I, if I could just know God that there's life after death, maybe that would make the suffering I'm going through more bearable. Well, friends, there is life after death. This life is not all there is. No matter what pain we're going through in this moment, it's not the whole story, right? God can comfort us in it, but also there's going to come a day, man, where Jesus returns and he, he sees the evil and the suffering of the world, and he says, "That's quite enough. That's going to be the end of that." And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where we will not have pain, emotional, physical, mental, any of it, right? And we'll be totally reconciled and at peace and in perfection. Uh, that's what God is preparing for us, right? And we know that this isn't all there is. We do have hope for a life after this one. And he says, man, if I could just know God loved me and yearned for me and cared for me, because then I wouldn't feel like I'm just like his punching bag. I would know that he's looking at my life, not just to beat me down when I sin. In fact, he'd probably want to cover up my sins or put my sins in a pouch or something, right? That's exactly what God's plan was, to cover our sins. God does love us. He does yearn for relationship. And God had a plan. The Bible says before the foundations of the earth. So before he even created humans, he knew he was going to send his son Jesus to die so that our sins could be covered. Right? Job longs to have his sins covered. He longs to be out from under the punishment of God. And that was God's plan all along, even if Job didn't fully realize it. Job says that a hope for a resurrection would make suffering in this life more, more bearable. And as well as a confidence that the Lord cares for us in a special way. The Lord does yearn for us. The Lord does truly love us. The Lord does make a way for our sins to be covered up. Uh, and he doesn't hold those against us. He removes our guilt when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Let's look at a couple more. John, uh, Job 17. Job 17. Job says this, where, where then is my hope? Right? I, I can imagine this idea of a hope for something better, a hope to be reconciled. But where is my hope? Can anyone see it? Verse 16, my hope, will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust, right? Do I have someone I can hope in that's willing to die for me? You guys seeing this here? You seeing this imagery keep recurring? Do I have a hope that's willing to die for me? Well, guys, Jesus is that hope uh, that Job longed for, that true friend that was willing to descend into the grave for my sake and for your sake. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 9, that Jesus also descended into the grave, into the lower regions of the earth. Jesus died on the cross, right? He didn't just get really hurt. He fully died, right? That's what makes the resurrection such a miracle. Jesus descended into the grave. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. I mean, Jesus is the friend, the mediator that was willing to die for you, right? I can't say that about anybody else, right? I got a lot of really close friends and loved ones and family members, but no one else has ever died for me. And Jesus hung on that cross for me. He took the punishment I deserved on himself and died and descended in the grave for me, right? So when I, I hope in him because, man, he's the only one that's done that for me, amen? Job 16, we got two more of these. Job 16, verse 19. Man, Job's starting to hope here, right? He, he's been arguing it out. He's been wrestling through it. And he's thinking, man, maybe there is this mediator, right? And maybe even now, even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is there on high. Wouldn't that be great if I've got a mediator in heaven, an advocate there on high? Verse 21, I need someone to mediate between God and me as a person mediates between friends. 
We talked about, man, how nice it is when we've got that friend that can kind of be that go-between and help restore a relationship. He's saying, you know what? I need someone to be that between God and me because I'm really hurting and my relationship with God's hurting. But I believe that there's a witness in heaven, that there's an advocate on high. Job longs for a mediator in heaven to plead his case to God. And the New Testament tells us this is exactly what the ascended Christ is doing for you right now at this very moment. Right, so 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the earth. He performed miracles. He preached the kingdom of God. And for people to turn away from their sins and live in a way that pleases God, then he died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead, appearing to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving he was who he claimed to be, the Son of God, our Savior. But then after that, he ascended to heaven. After about 40 days of appearing again to lots of eyewitnesses, he ascends to heaven. Okay, he ascended to heaven. What's Jesus doing right now? Right now, on our, uh, September, was it 28th, 9.32 p.m.? Well, what's Jesus doing right now, though? Well, the Bible tells us. Hebrews 7, verse 24 and 25. Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. What is Jesus doing right now? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. He's that mediator between you and God. He's standing before the Father. He is fully God, but he's, he's there in the community of the Trinity, and he's pleading your case, and, man, you know, Dry needs a little more strength, right? You know, uh, you know Dallas needs a little more peace, right? Let's get, got, got little, let's send some more joy in Leland's way. Like, he, he, let's plead that they're going to make it. Let's send whatever kind of angels or strength or help, supernatural resources, all of heaven, all the kingdom of God's at my disposal. I'm going to help my son, help my daughter. They're going to get through this. He's interceding for you. He's pleading your case. He's fighting so that you can win right now. That's what Jesus is doing right now. And it says he does that forever and ever, right? He is our mediator. They're pleading our case before God. What Job was really hoping exists, good news, does exist in the person of Jesus Christ. He lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf, on your behalf. Last verse. Job chapter 19. Verse 25. I think he's really starting to believe it now. He says, but as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. There's an Nicole C. Mullins song on that grove listen to about my Redeemer lives. I know, I know my Redeemer lives. And he will stand on the earth at last. He says, I think there's a, I think there's a, a Redeemer in heaven pleading my case for God. I also think he's going to stand on the earth. Did Jesus do that? He did. He did. And verse 26 says, and after my body is decayed, Yet in my body, I'll see God. He believes in a resurrection, right? Even even when my body's dead, in the body, I'm still going to see God. I'll see him for myself. Yes, I'll see him with my own eyes. Man, I'm overwhelmed at the thought, right? He's he's overwhelmed thinking about it. I I do believe there's a redeemer. I believe he's going to walk the earth. And I believe after this life is over, he's going to resurrect me. uh, And I'm going to have new life. And I'm going to see him face to face, man, for each and every one of us that are put our trust in Jesus as our savior. There's going to be a day where you see Jesus with your own physical eyeballs, right? I've never seen that, right? I've never seen that. I mean, I've had close, intimate times with the Lord and the Spirit. Um, and I've sensed the Holy Spirit's nearness and His presence and, uh, and God dealing with my heart and speaking to me in a variety of different ways. I've never seen Jesus with my own eyeballs, but there will become a day, right, in heaven where you can perceive Jesus fully, uh, where you can be near to Him physically fully that way. Job's longing for it. And, and guys, that's our hope. Each and every one of us can experience that. Jesus is God. What does it mean for Jesus to be God? It means that he knows the Lord's perspective on our hurting. We don't know why we're suffering a lot of the times, and sometimes we don't 
most of the time, we don't get the answers we want in this life. We don't know why we go through the things we go through. Yes, the world is broken. There is evil in the world. There's, there's, there's evil that's corrupted people. So people sin against one another, hurt each other. Uh, sin has corrupted men. Nature itself, where there's, there's storms and disasters. And this world is a painful place to live in. It won't always be that way, though. Right? And so we won't, we won't always know why we went through a thing uh, or what God's purpose is in it, but we can trust that God is just and he's good. He can work through those painful scenarios for our good and to help us. He can also bring us comfort. But we know that because Jesus is God, he has God's perspective on those times of pain and suffering. But Jesus is also fully human, so that means he knows what it's like to suffer in all the ways that we do, which makes him that perfect mediator for us. When you're hurting, does it ever, ever feel like God's not being fair with you? God, this is just tough. God, this don't seem right. Have you ever, like Job, longed for someone to plead your case to God? God, man, this doesn't seem right. I wish there was a way I could really understand what you're wanting from me in this season or why I'm going through this, or I wish there was a way that I could communicate. We need some kind of mediator here. Jesus is God, so he knows the Lord's perspective on your struggles and your pain. Jesus is also fully human, so he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be betrayed and lied about and abused and discouraged and disappointed and rejected. Jesus experienced all of that. Those things hurt, and Jesus knows it. He understands. Whatever you're going through, Jesus understands, and he wants to go through it with you. Right? Jesus understands. We can't ever say to God, God, you don't know what it's like to be a human being. This, this is awful. This is terrible. You don't, you don't know, God. No, he does know. Because Jesus experienced all that himself. Everyone suffers. Life on this earth is painful. Don't suffer alone. You know, there's going to come a point where every human being is going to suffer at some point. Life is painful sometimes. Don't suffer alone, though. Lean into Jesus. Lean into God. Jesus wants to step into that situation, into that place of brokenness with you to be the comfort that only he can be. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher than ours. And we need his perspective to better understand him, to better understand how he wants us to live. We need his perspective on our suffering. Uh, And Job does. He teaches us that, yes, God is just. Yes, God is wise. He can be trusted. He can work through even the hardest situations for our good. And one of those things he does is he reveals our need for Jesus. He reveals a longing we have for a mediator that draws us to God, that draws us to Jesus and says, God, I need a Savior. Well, there is a Savior that you can trust in and put your hope in. Each and every one of us needs Jesus. Each and every one of us needs that Redeemer to save us from our sins, to mediate between us and God. We need the one that can draw us to himself and comfort us in our suffering. And I want to challenge you guys tonight, Kyle, lean into Jesus. Lean into Jesus. When you're hurting, when it's hard, some of you guys are going through it right now, like you're in the thick of it right now, lean into Jesus. Lean into God. Not away from Him. Don't withdraw from Him. Don't cut yourself off from God and and withdraw from community. And that's when you need it all the more. Lean into God. Lean into community. Uh, Invite Jesus into that situation. And He wants to comfort you. He wants to go through it with you. Because one of His main purposes for it is to reveal your need for Him. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, There's a variety of ways we can can respond to this. But you guys just close your eyes. Um, Again, I know there's, there's some of you guys that are in a real place of hurting right now. There's specific situations you're dealing with. And maybe it's family dynamics. Maybe family stuff is just a wreck uh, in shambles. Um, there, there's broken relationships there. there. There's real hurting there. Maybe it's a financial need. You're just in a place of absolute desperation. 
and you don't know how the next bill is going to get paid. You don't know how tuition is going to get covered. Your family's hurting financially. Maybe there's health stuff that's like they're, 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 there's pain and, and, and just the functions of your body are not what they should be. And, uh, and, and that's causing you all kinds of distress. Maybe it's academic. Uh, these classes are, are overwhelming. Your grades are not where you want them. Struggling with the weight of just projects and papers and all that anxiety of just being a university student. Maybe there's friendships that are broken, relationships that aren't right. Maybe you feel betrayed, discouraged, maybe you feel lied about. Jesus understands. And right now, I, just, I pray that you would invite him into it. Just say, Jesus, you see where I'm at. I want to invite you into this suffering. Jesus, come and suffer alongside me. Come and be with me. Jesus, would you comfort my heart? Would you help me to experience the fullness of the peace that you won for me on the cross? The peace to guard my heart, guard my mind, the peace that passes understanding, Philippians 4 tells us. Jesus, I need that peace. I need that peace. Jesus, I know and I believe and I stand on your word. I stand on your perspective. Jesus, I believe you are in heaven right now interceding for me. I do have an advocate before the Father. I do have one pleading my case. Thank you, Jesus, for interceding for me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I'm going to challenge you to do this. If you're in a place where you say, Matt, uh, that's me. Um, I'm in a, a place of, of real hurt and suffering. Um, maybe it's even affecting my relationship with God, but I just need, I need God to be really near to me in this moment. Would you be bold and, and just stand to your feet? Um, and we're going to seek after God. We're going to seek after God together. Jack, would you mind playing on the guitar a little bit? And say, Matt, I'm in the middle of it right now. Uh, and I need God. Would you just stand to your feet? We want to pray and agree together. If there's anyone here tonight that says, man, I, I've never even put my trust in Jesus that way, asked him uh, to, to, to save me, to make me right with God, and I'm still divided by my sins, or there's still sins I'm still enslaved to, held captive by, just agree with me in prayer right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you went to the cross for me to break the bondage of sin and death off my life forever. And right now, Jesus, would you free me from my sins, forgive me and cleanse me, give me a fresh start right now, tonight, help me to live for you, fill me with your Holy Spirit, help me to live for you from this day forward. God, I pray that you would break the bondage of sin and addiction off of people's lives. So much of our pain stems from that, our sin, our idolatry, these things that we get hooked on, God, that, that, that are not of you. Jesus, I pray for the fullness of the freedom that you won for them on the cross. Jesus, we put your trust, our trust in you and what you did on the cross to save us. Forgive us of our sins. Make us right with God. Give us a fresh start, a clean heart. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. He loves us. He hears that prayer. Again, if that's you and that's the first time you've ever even prayed that, ever put your trust in Jesus, tell somebody later tonight. Let somebody know. God, you see these that, that are on their feet, God, uh, and, and maybe that's not you. Maybe you didn't, didn't go to your feet. Would you just pray along with your neighbors, with, with your brothers and sisters here tonight that are really hurting? Pray for their comfort. Interceding for them. Jesus, each of these persons represents unique situations, God, and, and you see them. You see them. You see what they're going through, God. God, I pray that you would meet them there in that moment, that you would meet them, that you would be that comfort to them, God. God, that in, in that pain, 
that you would help them to lean into you and not lean away from you. God, it, it seems like it's our human instinct sometimes to run from God or to withdraw from community like a, like a wounded animal. We just want to pull away, retreat. God, help us not to do that. Give us the courage to lean even further into you. Lean into community. Lean on our brothers and sisters. Say, hey, I need help. I'm hurting. I need help. I need, I need that person to talk late in the night with, get coffee with, to hang out with. Um, I'm dealing with some real loneliness and depression. I, mean, I, I need a friend. God, help us to lean into community, to be there for one another. God, help us to lean into you, to invite you into this situation, that even when we're hurting, even when we're frustrated, we'd still spend that time with you each day, going to you in worship, going to you in prayer, getting into your word, learning your perspective on our lives and bringing our lives into obedience to you, God. We trust that you're going to comfort us, God. You're going to give us peace. Jesus, you said you give peace. It's not like the peace the world gives. It's temporary and fleeting. God, you give a real peace, a peace that remains because you've overcome the world. You've been tempted in every way like us. God, you suffered. You know what it's like to be a human being. You know what it's like when things are hard. Jesus, we lean on you, our mediator, our advocate, our redeemer, who forever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus, be our help. Could all of us stand to our feet as we close in prayer? God, I pray that you would use each of us to be an encouragement uh, to friends, to family members, to, to people around us that are hurting. That we wouldn't be known to that, that you give us eyes to see when there's people with real needs around us. And we would love them well and meet those needs and be there for them, even if it's just a friend to sit beside them. God, help us to be good friends and love one another well. Encourage one another in the Lord. Encourage one another with, with verses of scripture, uh, with, with songs. Uh, say, hey man, this really encouraged me. I want to share it with you today. Let us be that kind of community, be those kind of friends. Use us to encourage one another in the Lord. And God, help us to embrace your perspective on our suffering. God, that, that we all go through things where, where it hurts and it's awful and we hate it. But God, help us to know it's not because you don't care. And we know you care. We may not know exactly the whys and the wherefores or why we're going through this situation and that situation, but it can't be that you don't care. We know that you care because you cared enough, you loved enough to send your own son. Jesus, you stepped into human existence and you suffered alongside us. You suffered on the cross and died in our place. You descended to the grave. You're the friend that died for us. You ascended into heaven and you lived to make intercession for us, our Redeemer who forever lives. God, we love you. God, we trust you. Jesus, be glorified in our lives. I pray as Christians, even in our suffering, even when we're going through hard times, God, you would be glorified in that. We'd still show your joy, show your peace in that, so it would be an encouragement and a light and a witness to the people around us. They say, man, man, I know you're going through it. Man, how do you still have joy? How do you still have peace? God, would you be glorified even in our hard times? Jesus, would you be exalted? You alone are worthy. Jesus, comfort and encourage students tonight. Holy Spirit, be near to them, envelop them, wrap them up in your love. I pray that each of these students would sense your nearness, how much you love them, how precious they are to you as a son, as a daughter. They'd sense your nearness, sense your great love for them all throughout the week. God, we love you. God, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If nobody's told you today or it's been a long time, God loves you. He does. God loves you. So this is a bit of a two-parter. Next week, Chris is going to come and share about...
We're talking about suffering in God's perspective, man. Where do we go from there? What is God's perspective on that lingering grief? And then how, how do we deal with that? And how, how do we get to that place of restoration? So be here next week. Bring a friend next week. Chris is here next week.